and welcome back to the Bell Witch Podcast with your witchy host, Swales, the friendly green witch and Jodie of Mother Serpentine Tarot. This episode, we focus on the mother archetype and what that means in our daily family life. We talk about spirits and how to conversate with them and discover the unusual journey of how I became a witch. Bathing with your decks and witches and wizards. Jodie shares her tip on how to create magical bath salts and we shout out a lovely witchy biz. So make yourself a brew and come sit with us for an hour as we talk honestly about witching with kids in the 21st century. All right then, so how are you doing Jodie? Yeah, I'm doing good. I've had a very busy and magical week. I've been working constantly on different events for two weeks straight now um, without much of a break. Burnt yourself so out, it's you been really, really hectic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's also really, really lovely to be able to read for so many people. It's it's always a really, you know, it's a really big privilege in it to be able to, to share those messages sort of day in, day out. So this week I've been practicing actual mediumship because I do get stuff through when I'm doing tarot readings, mainly like people's aches and pains or little bits of information here and there, but never anything really concrete. So I thought I'd try honing on that and see if I can get more information. Because it's always, it's gutting when you can see something next to someone while you're reading for them, but you don't know who it is. You don't know if it's male or female. You can just see a shape. And I think it'd be so lovely to be able to say to somebody, Oh, I've got your mother with you or your grandma or what have you and give them that information and give the messages because I feel, I feel like those spirits are there for a reason, you know, whether it's to give a message or what have you. They'll only give you so much information yeah. though, won't they? They're not, they're not always so open and they, yeah. they don't always tell the truth either. <laughs> no, no. And it's a lot of it. Yeah, well, they're just like humans, aren't they, I guess? It's a lot of practice, but it has really, really opened up my readings so for instance I was doing a reading last week for somebody and immediately as soon as they sat down I saw all these blue lights around them and I was like oh I can see blue lights around you do you work in like healthcare or the police or something because it was like siren lights to me she actually worked in the hospital and her husband was a policeman and I've had a few sort of channeled messages for people but you know when you don't have the confidence to tell them that that's what it is (laughs) so I've had things come through so I feel like you know and then it's always right but you just don't have that confidence when you're starting out do you yeah I did actually tell a lady um who works in a crystal shop uh, she owns a crystal shop actually and she's been through a really deep healing journey and that was something that had sort of come through but I was I just sort of was like you really need to share your healing journey with people like I can't stress this enough you must share it the next day she actually left me a message saying an author had gone into her shop and asked her to share her story and wants to write a book of her memoirs what yeah amazing <laughs> and I guess for anyone that's listening it's it's interesting to know, isn't it, that sometimes that you can build these gifts, that people aren't like born able to see everything, the information comes through. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody's everybody's got the ability in them. It's just a case of choosing it's like to a it. muscle that you need to flex, isn't it? Yeah. And I think um I think as well, people expect when you do tarot reading, they expect you to be a psychic or a medium. 
and while I get messages through while I'm doing tarot, it's a complete different part of my brain, which is yeah. weird. So I might be able to feel somebody's aches and pains or I might get a message through during a reading. But when I'm trying to tap into mediumship, the information comes from somewhere else in my head. So it gives me a really bad headache. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I did always think when you did tarot you weren't naturally talking to spirit as well because that's why I brought up on my mum were, were a psychic medium and a tarot reader so I always thought the two things was together and that was all there was to it. I guess it's sort of it is in a way but to use the muscle analogy you know you go to the gym you mm-hmm. do an arm workout and it's all your arm so your arm would be you know your psychic skills but part of it might work your your tricep and you know it'll it'll hurt in different places and it'll use different muscle groups but it's still the same arm so it's all that psychic stuff so you do it is all psychic and spirit in its own way but it is sort of like different muscle groups working and also I think what you've touched on there is where people get their messages from you know because some people will get more messages through from spirits of say past loved ones some people will get them through from from deity or from like a source some people channel just through themselves and then there are people that read in like just a secular way where they're using the cards as a therapeutic tool for reflection and there's no energies coming through whatsoever so I think it it's always really really interesting to consider where your readings are coming from and where you're drawing those energies from yeah if you can ever know I mean obviously you can only suspect can't you you can only you can only wonder in amazement (laughs) I've had a better week than last time I've been a lot more spiritually plugged in been reading a really awesome book called Pagan Anger Magic by Tammy Sullivan because I get angry really easily as you know with my kids especially so it's using that anger Mm -hmm. in your magic collecting it challenging it and it is so it's amazing because it's like a farce it is such a good book I I read it all in a couple of days and I keep going back and rereading bits of it some of my fellow witches did an online ritual for spring equinox aka Ostara and that (laughs) and that went nice we painted eggs and did a little prayer and uh, drank tea and ate chocolates it was lovely I've been practicing way more this week or the past couple of weeks my altar like it's it's got right now like fresh flowers and fresh incense on it and growing flowers and been doing more sigils more prayer more more everything um, it's definitely time of the year isn't it I think because things are coming alive yes and yeah. that, that mirrors the witchy life I feel more grounded as well weirdly so for a few weeks I felt very out of my body I felt like I was only in my intuition and only in my head and I completely had my head up my ass really um but it was like I was living through that way now I'm doing these sort of I think sometimes it's like practical acts of devotion that you have and I was doing loads of like meditation and manifesting and all this sort of cerebral stuff where now it's like having fresh roses on the altar which I got mainly as like a gift for spirit because they kept showing me fresh roses oh, that's um, nice isn't it if I go see some flowers <laughs> they show you I don't know if they do this for you they show you things that they want to give people which is another weird one me uh, my granddad came through and he kept showing me big purple bar of chocolate well my mum's favorite chocolate's Cadbury's isn't it when my nana came through she was showing me my brother doing his nursing training which he is actually underway with at the moment 
she was showing him a bottle of Sauvage. And obviously I know him, so I know that he wears Sauvage. But if, if I'd have been a stranger to him, I'd have been like, oh, she's showing me a little bottle of blue perfume. But obviously she was trying to, to give him some Sauvage. Aww. Yeah, which I, I think feel... is nice. <laughs> could be an excuse, couldn't it? Like, is that chocolate? Oh, the ghost told me to do it. It's a message yeah. from spirit telling me to buy myself <laughs> chocolate and flowers. Yeah. We should do it, like, just like a spiritual gifting night. Ah, oh, it's well nice. So sweet. <laughs> I was actually thinking, and I guess this would be a suggestion for other people, but also an invitation to you. We should pair up and practice doing the readings and stuff on each other. So hone on, like, specific energies. I think the bell witches, the people who are listening should also find people to partner up with and practice the tarot or do the witchcraft sometimes you don't want to do like a sigil for yourself so it's nice to make one for somebody else yeah. it does give you more motivation doing it for another yeah. rather than yourself i'm also practicing on the spiritual side of life the speaking board every every sunday night i have a little session and i put some of it on my instagram just talking about yeah. what came through but i find it really hard to use because you're on your comes- own I'm on my own and also it's like I don't really need it because I'll sit there and stuff will just pop into my head and it's like an unnecessary step for them (laughs) to use this spirit board. Yeah, because they can speak straight to you, I guess. So it's unnecessary. Yeah, me and Jodie are doing a a ghost night middle of April, so I need to practice bond with this board. It's going to be a really good night. Sold out, aren't it? Yeah, yeah. So we've got like two sides. We've got one side where it's my uncle, who's a paranormal investigator, amazingly. So as well as being the bell witches and having our own businesses, we're now also grave encounters paranormal, which <laughs> was an absolute brainwave. Oh, it's such a good name. Yeah, we're going late night and we've got the Ouija board and obviously like tarot cards and our sort of psychic abilities so obviously we'll do the Ouija side talk to spirit as well say what's coming through mentally for us or um, in terms of your clair senses so for those that don't know your clair senses um, it's like the French word for clear so they say when you're sensing stuff psychically you get it through different clairs so clairvoyance is actually seeing spirit in your mind or in front of your eyes you have clairaudience which is hearing spirit clairsentient yeah clairsentience which is like knowing clairsensing which is like smelling and everything um or taste and there's like feeling and knowing as well so they come under clairsentience there is an actual word for the feeling side which is what I get and I think a lot of people think that the knowing and the feeling are the same thing and that they cross over for me it's absolutely not the knowing is like having a download into your brain and being able to know what spirit are telling you but without hearing their voice where the feeling is like I will get somebody's leg ache or back ache or kidney pain. We should do a whole yeah. episode just on everything related to spirits and ghosts yeah, and stuff. That'd absolutely. be good, wouldn't it? Like yeah. maybe around Samhain. <laughs> so we'll be doing that side during the Grave Encounters ghost night. And obviously we will report back here and let you know any findings that we had. But then my uncle's also a paranormal investigator and he's got, you know, the whole like high tech side. Like I do not know anything about this side but like special cameras and like heat sensors a spirit box which is like um, I've watched them on YouTube and they kind of scare me a little bit they are a bit scary yeah spirit talk through them but they're talking like this distorted way so they'll be like 
words in it. Bits of radio that they use to make a sentence. I think that's how it works, isn't I it? Don't jump, know. jump around radio stations and it makes a sentence. He took it with his daughter to the local graveyard. On the camera, they could see that there was a person stood in front of them. So his daughter was like, oh, what's your name? And it said clear as day, but in this horrible, distorted voice, it went, it went, it stays on my grave. Oh my God. Just, it gave me chills. Like, yeah. <laughs> it'll be yeah. good. It'll be a good night. I'm excited and a little bit Stuff nervous. is going to come through that. It's at least 300 years old is the pub. People say it's 300 years old, but it was made into stone 300 years ago. Before that, it was a wooden building. So God knows how old it actually is. Wow. Just as a pub, it draws in some right sorts. So I imagine there'll be all sorts going on. And you can see spirit in there anyway. And you don't have to be a medium or psychic in any way to see spirit there. People always say that they see stuff in there. So... Cool. So hopefully they'll come through. All right. So next up, have you got your spiel? I've got my spiel. Here yes. comes the spiel. Maiden Mother Crone, the three faces of Hecate, the archetypal triple goddess. We've chosen to explore this phenomenon, this series of archetypes, during three episodes. In many Wiccan traditions and magical practices, the triple goddess has three aspects, known as the maiden mother and crone and each of these faces links in with the cycles of aging rites and passages that many of us go through phases of the moon and the ebb and flow of our own personal power as well as the cycles of the seasons this is symbolic of the journey that many but not all women take throughout their life course and many of us find ourselves in the not all category for various different reasons so if that's you you're welcome here too we're just taking time to reflect and apply these to our personal lives many people feel the pull to some aspects of the maiden mother crone and they might balk at others or skip phases within this paradigm or feel fear rejection or even revulsion at some aspects of it but collectively most of us have felt some connection to the archetypes here and they make excellent analogies and symbols for patterns within the great universe deity source. You may witness the maiden mother and crone in your own life or be aware of others meandering through these phases around you and we welcome you into these archetypes in our own lives. In the last episode we walked through the maiden so we now find ourselves welcoming in the mother archetype. The mother is the archetypal creatrix and in many senses represents the literal journey through pregnancy and motherhood. We often see her as a radiant creatrix or mama bear and she's a symbol of the abundant and fertile natural world as well. In tarot she is the empress, the fertile creator, the divine feminine and also that need that we have to create and put things out into the world. Mothers are seen as nurturing and protective and giving of themselves completely and this is all really really idealistic and actually many mothers struggle between their sense of duty and their sense of self. For me the mother's traits can be a bit icky and have often left me personally and I'm sure many of the listeners if you've got kids feeling a sense of failure. Ideally motherhood brings gifts of mother's instinct, unconditional love and a fiercely protective nature but this isn't you know isn't always the case. Hopefully many of us will feel those things throughout our own life courses and motherhood may bring 
those aspects out in ourselves and if not motherhood other aspects of creativity and creating passion projects and endeavors because our babies are always children are they no that is feel that's it yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) and actually your journey with the mother in your life was a really wild ride wasn't it it's it's interesting how within my childhood I didn't discover witching the witchy life even though it was all around me it's almost like I was blind to it like in the last episode I briefly mentioned my mum and she was a really really gifted psychic and tarot reader and so there were a lot of spiritual elements growing up but because my childhood was just so full of trauma and war it never seemed to come into me almost and then growing up as a teenager I was really really angry and cross at life and focused on rebelling I became a really hardcore goth with the white face and the big daggered teeth of vampires and stuff it really influenced me fashion wise so even though my my favorite films when I was a young teenage goth was Practical Magic and The Craft which were about witches I'm amazed that I still didn't sort of catch on to the universe going like yes be a witch I was more interested in being an angry at life and hitting my face white and mosh into cradle of filth. <laughs> What's really funny is like we both had our own sort of tempestuous, really, really emotional childhoods. And for me, that was what led me to witchcraft in, in childhood. And for you, it's like it actually was the opposite. Like it yeah. was, yeah. I think I just weren't ready. Maybe I was just too pissed off to allow it in my life. But anyway, I lost my mum when I was 19 and I kept a few of the things that she loved, you know, like tarot-wise. And it all lived in a box through most of my 20s. And every so often I'd just get it out and have a look and have a shuffle. But I didn't know anything about tarot. My relationship with it was like it was a sibling, you know, because I was brought up with it. And my mum loved tarot as much, almost as much as me, I believe. They were always around us. So I knew to look at tarot. like, And I loved the images and lay them out, look at them, remember them, put them away. It was only until I got pregnant with my firstborn. I was a jeweller maker at the time, so I was doing fairs, making silver jewellery on a stall and trying to sell it, which is just like a really, really hard way to make money in general. And then this last came over to me, Charlotte the Magpie Mama, and I was heavily pregnant at the time, and she said, you should come to my house on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday morning, all these mums come and we do creative Wednesdays. You're very, very welcome to cook. At the time, I was a bit like, who is this? Who is this person just invited me to the house? I don't even know who they are. Weirdo. <laughs> Fast forward, I had a really traumatic birth with Florence. I was really lonely. And I remembered this, this Charlotte lass who invited me. And so I went to her house. And from that moment on, it's like I was alive. It was a, it's like a tribal gathering. It was creative. There were these what they call crunchy mums, you know, that were baby wearing and milk sharing. And oh, my God, it was beautiful. So it was all very goddess oriented. We did art a lot, making vulvas out of clay and being into the whole femininity thing. It was really good. Anyway, Charlotte did a box called Rainbow Soul Surprise. And then once I got it, the theme was witch. There were a book in it and a load of other stuff, like a little cauldron. The book was Witch by Lisa Lister. And I, I read this book and it spoke to me so much. It, every single page was just like, yes, yes. And then, you know, that moment I was like, oh my God, I'm obviously a witch. How have I not discovered this? 
I can't <laughs> believe that was your first book. That one's yeah, on my, yeah. um, that one's on my blacklist. That's on my list of books. But, you know, it was a good book for this realisation. Yeah, I mean, and it made me angry and it is very turfy and it and it's very yeah. sort of womb orientated and stuff silly power yeah yeah i mean it is good mm-hmm. for beginners i must admit and there's a bit of history in there which is interesting it can lead you down a lot of different pathways yeah. but i wouldn't be like this is one of the best witch books as ever because it ain't but for me who we are just the craft to go on <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was it was life changing moment. We started to do a lot of retreats together, like day retreats, mum and baby, pagan oriented. And I met loads of people through Charlotte, the Magpie Mama, people who still help me today. I mean, like Sally. Sally Golightly was a person I met through her and lots of other amazing humans I could mention. And then with my second pregnancy, I was well into it then, the whole um, earth mother and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I was still learning and this. I were yet to become more spiritual. But I remember I found a witch on Facebook and asked her to create me a spell for a good birth experience because my first birth experience was just so traumatic. And I didn't want anything like that to happen again. And she asked me those questions and she didn't want payment. And she was like, oh, I'll make you a spell bag and send you it in the post. And even then I was like, well, what's in it? What's in this bag? What is it? And she was like, it's a spell. And I was like, yeah, but what is it? <laughs> you know, because I didn't know, you know, herbs and stuff are in a bag. Anyway, so she sent me this bag. It was a lovely little white thing and it had a crescent moon on it. And she'd had it on her altar with an egg and an assortment of things. And that, an amazing spell, and it worked, and I had the most beautiful water birth with Clementine at home in my bathroom, and everything went to plan, and I was on my own because no midwives were available. So I had an accidental free birth. It was the most beautiful moment in my whole entire life, and I, I really, really believe a massive part of it was because of this spell bag that this witch sent me for nothing. And I think that was like the last sort of, spoke in the way I'm going to live my life that realization like I can do all these things if I can use magic and manifestation and live the life I want to live and now it's really strange I can't actually find her anymore I don't know who she is I look through all my messages google names and I just cannot find her so if you're listening (laughs) to our new podcast (laughs) do get in contact and be like yeah that's my spell bag and and I thank you for an amazing birth yeah so and then after that then it was just like a a landslide of living like a witch and saying I'm a witch without any doubt but I just find it bananas that I got to the age of 30 odd and didn't put two and two together I think it's lovely that um that motherhood what led you there and also your own mum as well in her own way she I mean she never would have identified as a witch to her a witch was like really negative and eating children and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know like grot bags type job she she wouldn't have yeah. she would have been offended which is such a shame but I think it's changed and it re- in this sort of few recent years it's not a negative thing whereas it I think it used to be quite a negative thing when my mum were young it's one of those things that really just varies depending on who you're speaking to so I've had um, people before where they've been really really positive and embraced it but I'm kind of in my own little bubble and then you have people where they are quite negative and still a bit of work to be done in terms of awareness about what Wicca and witchcraft and paganism and all the uh, myths that we have to shake off. Yeah. Like we don't believe in the devil and we don't 
slaughter any virgins and yeah <laughs> there's no black magic it's just magic and how you use it for me becoming a mother really really changed my practice well obviously as a child I went from sort of very playful witchcraft like playing with fairies doing meditations getting into like herb crystals and things like that pretty much into a more traditional path. I'd started going to moots in Leeds. So if anybody is watching, no matter where in the world you are, if you're interested in paganism, your local moot is an excellent way to meet like-minded people. And in Leeds, we have one of the best moots because it's, it's run by a really, really highly trained high priestess and can help you to access training with her um, as well. Can you mention um, the moot name? Yes, it's called the Raven's Rest Moot. Pretty good, isn't it? Because essentially it's networking for witches. You'll go, you'll see. It's very much, I remember the first time I went, and you've got to think I was, I was a teenager, so I felt a little bit vulnerable and wasn't even old enough to be in a pub yet, so I didn't really know what to expect. But you go in and it's like... We are the weirdos, mister. Yeah. <laughs> All the witches <laughs> in a corner. <laughs> having their drinks you feel really really comfortable and casual chit chat but obviously about witchcraft and paganism and then there's usually a workshop so usually you learn something and some of the ones because because the raven's rest it is run by a gardenerian high priestess the workshops are very very in-depth and very sort of academic some moots you'll go to and they're a little bit more they're a bit softer. They're a bit, you know, nice things to do, but the information in them you can't always bank on, if that makes sense. Where the one that I went to was really, really sort of information overload, quite academic. So I was kind of plunged in at the deep end, really, and ended up on this traditional path. And at 18, began doing the training towards initiation and really, really loved it was absolutely in my element living my best witchy life or so I thought and then I got pregnant and of course everything went out of the window because well, I, I was banner in the works <laughs> yeah well I was 20 when I got pregnant with with Eartha and I was um doing my degree in costume design and doing my initiatory training and I essentially just dropped off of everything to throw myself into motherhood and because I was already living quite a radical and kooky life anyway to me it seemed really really natural um, even as a first time mum I knew that I wanted a home birth I knew that I didn't want to have any medications during birth or any toxins or anything like that I found my local um, Steiner and you know I was very into the idea of like breastfeeding and baby wearing I didn't breastfeed for long at all it went completely tits up with Eartha that's another podcast series entirely because yeah <laughs> I reckon we could <laughs> talk yeah. about so much so my journey with having Eartha was it started out I was essentially um well I, I began volunteering in my local Steiner during pregnancy and I was like a sponge soaking up all this information about nature-based 
child rearing and the evolution of the child's soul and the um, ways that you can sort of protect and preserve a child's imagination and sense of wonder and beauty in the world so that was my focus and in Steiner's it's not traditional path at all but it's very very ceremonial so I went from volunteering to actually working there um, and every morning uh, we'd go in we'd sort of have like a little almost ritual of holding hands in a circle setting our intention for the day and then going about our work the day is very rhythmic and ceremonial there are songs sung before dinner time you know to summon the candle fairies and oh. um, it was just really really whimsical and beautiful and really captured my imagination and my heart it was perfect blend of magic and creativity obviously I've sort of come away from my training my sort of more formal more academic more cerebral training and into this really woo la la land a lot of the mothers there were doing um what they call shamanic path I would say that it is more animistic to me shamanism is closed practice for the people in the Tungus tribe you know the the Samai people and I always think it's you know it's really really good to think about westernized names for what you're doing and animism has been a long-lived practice within all magical working where you essentially use drumming to achieve a Gnostic state and to access different realms so these are all things that go hand in hand with paganism because there are the views of different realms and different sort of modes of reality and using the drum to access and have strong visions of those different spaces and um, to tap into your guides there and draw on them for support so I began doing this work myself and it was life-changing if you wanted to do this work for yourself then you would probably be looking at um, either finding a shamanic practitioner to do the work for you or looking into books about you know sort of shamanic practices and it would be called shamanic in those books the disagreement is just a journey with both. But in terms of more sort of animistic magic, also druidry uses these techniques. And so it's this really beautiful rhythmic drumming that changes your brainwave state. And for me, that was perfect because it was a way of calling to power. One of the, the essence of this work is sort of calling to power and finding your own power getting rid of anyone you know like we've all had people around us that have been soul suckers like getting rid of any sort of negative attachments so that you can claim your own power back what you don't realize is that actually we give a lot of our personal power to our kids and we also take a lot of their personal power and that doesn't help anyone it's not a sign of a healthy relationship it's a drain on us and a burden on them so this drumming for me was a way of healing myself but also healing my family line um, both past and future and it helped me to tap into a more I guess primal way of practicing magic feeling powerful and also meditating in a way that was quite different for me and from there I actually began to question whether Wicca was for me at all and for for a while I identified as just being pagan I think uh, when yeah when I met you you said you were just pagan yeah I sort of differentiate a little bit so like obviously I'm on like a Gardnerian path now 
I think most Wiccans that you meet aren't. Most Wiccans are just sort of practicing eclectic witchcraft. This this sort of path that was all about self-exploration. And it was about finding my feet in motherhood, really, because, you know, I had a really, really traumatic journey into motherhood. My pregnancy was amazing. My birth was amazing. My daughter was amazing. And I was a natural mother. Um, and I was really, really supported in this lovely community. But I was in a, a really, really severe domestic violence relationship and had to had to flee my home with just my baby in her sling and a bucket full of mucky cloth nappies and then live on my parents sofa for months until I got emergency housing I was really really on this journey of finding myself as a mother and I was kind of thrown into it on my own even though I had family support my family parented very very differently to how I did and they saw the world very differently to how I did so for me this tapping into myself was much more important and this having like daily rituals and daily ceremonies and you know this bubble of Steiner education meant that I could bring that magic and imagination and creativity into my daughter's life but really what I didn't realize was actually it was a step back from actual magical working and it was only when my daughter began going to nursery that that I really plunged back into it rather than doing like sort of self-exploration work and meditations and this drumming and things like that that were more you know like I say more primal and more a way of tapping out really I began wanting to engage with something a bit more cerebral um so she went to nursery and I began really putting my heart and soul into doing my tarot I think from both of our stories at the time we both had community didn't we Yes, support yeah. from parents. It was at the time, especially with newborns, something you really need because it can be quite lonely having yeah, a newborn absolutely. stuck to you all the time. <laughs> the yeah, cute, absolutely. but bloody hell, the boring. I think at that point, all the energy that I had went into Eartha. Yeah, um, of course. It all yeah. went into her. And any yeah. energy for anything magical or whimsical also included her where now I have a bit of a balance so we do things like our camps that we go to which are very family oriented but I carve out time to do magical stuff for myself yeah. and it's not all about claiming back something that's been taken from me so for me like now I'm at the point where I'm always tapping into new things and tapping into things that are purely for me where when Eartha was little it was like I was always trying to claim back something that had been lost um, and find myself as a mum and figure out my identity as both a mum and a witch and didn't have an altar. We had a nature table instead, you know, very Steiner-based. No. So actually my altar's very nature table now it's got like um, plants on it and pine cones and I always have like a little um, flower bowl where I put seasonal flowers in it. It's, motherhood does take a lot from you. And I think a lot, especially in the Western world, where we don't have a village community to keep us topped up in different ways. I mean, I I really struggled in the beginning with Florence. You did feel like you you lose yourself because there's no time to do anything. It's really natural and normal that babies are needy when they're little. And then it's almost like you've got to be careful because it can become resentment and sadness you've got to brush yourself off and look for things it's again it's a shift in your psyche as well isn't it, it? Is. So, yeah. so interestingly 
when I had my second baby, Winter, so Earth is nine, Winter's one, and when I had Winter, I I was able to sort of maintain my own practices, maintain my own studies, and keep my witchcraft as it was. Where with Eartha, it, it I think it just awakened new aspects of that and what witchcraft can look like in in real life and it can be you know going to going to a quarry and watching the kids run around while the adults nurture a fire and carry the babies in slings get your drums Um, out oh you're so you're so amazing that you found it so early on in your life and I do feel a little bit envious of that I feel like there'll be a lot of listeners as well where they look at what we do and see it as quite radical because we are every day which is like it's something that permeates pretty much every bit. You know, you stir a cup of tea, and like I stir it, um, you know, a certain amount of times in a certain direction or stir sigils into it or what have you. And yeah. I think think that, you know, that a lot of it's like radical or like too far. And I, I just want anybody who, well, A, it isn't. It can be, be tiny little things, can't it? For Tiny. anyone that wants to keep their practice sort of away from the children, that's also valid. Like we've both really incorporated it into our family lives, but I'm sure there are parents listening who just want it for themselves and don't want don't want. Yeah. I think there are really really reasonable fears that you'll make your kid the strange kid, or you know, incite bullying or opinions from people or reactions from from family or what have you and I just want people to know that that you can incorporate witchcraft into your own life in a way that's very discreet as well if you'd like yeah. to I mean I know I, I do feel that myself I, I can tell the older I get the more sort of eccentric I get and the more I don't give a shit I get but then I always worried you know when my kids don't get invited to the party like the, the birthday yeah. party I'm like oh my god is it is it because of me? Because they know what I am and with Eartha, when I was when I was pregnant with Eartha and had Eartha, I felt really, really in my element as a witch and a mother. Those sides of myself joined up really, really nicely. So I felt very magical when I was, you know, initially breastfeeding her. But when I was baby wearing her, I was putting her in these all natural clothes. She was in cloth nappies and um I did elimination communication, which is basically pottying from birth. Um, And to me, it was like I was on this mission to use my parenting as a way that it was quite radical, but that I felt tapped into my own primal nature, you know, because we are just monkeys with delusions of grandeur. (laughs) And um, also that I was preserving the environment in some way. And I had all these notions that when I had my second, it would be the same. I bought basically a lifetime supply of cloth nappies. I bought the slings. I got her the potty ready for elimination communication. I really, really prepared for breastfeeding because it had gone really wrong with Eartha. And they were actually complete flip. So Winter had a really, really difficult birth and she was born with a real stiffness to her that meant that I couldn't baby wear her. She was £10.5 as well, which was huge, but it meant I couldn't baby wear her, couldn't use cloth nappies because her hips wouldn't bend for me to put them on her. You know, the idea of infant potty in her got swallowed up, you know, in hospital appointments and 
osteopathy appointments and occupational therapy and physiotherapy and the only thing that I managed to do with her was the breastfeeding and I felt like it was just a complete flip in a way so with Eartha I felt really really powerful because everyone could see that I was this earth mother and doing all this like natural magical woo stuff Eartha would have like her amber necklace on and her big cloth nappy with its funky patterns on and you know with, with winter all that went out of the window and actually my parenting with her hasn't been environmentally friendly or sustainable at all but it's been what was necessary yeah and also for my for my lifestyle but in a way like with Eartha I felt very magical while I was doing those things so I felt like even when I wasn't practicing actual witchcrafty stuff I felt like I was living in a very magical way and I felt very in tune with my personal power and uh, I felt like I was on on my mission in earth and then with winter it's it's very different in not only is it not environmentally sustainable I don't look like this really cool earth mother and don't always feel radical and powerful but then I have my own life which is very very magical but that's quite separate from both kids transformed aren't it and morphed yeah. whereas again I'm the other way it was very just for me my escape the way I exist because the knock-on effect my mental health improved dramatically and I put that down to witchcraft and pagan living as well now this sort of past year did the witchy camps together and so now I'm inviting my kids to be part of it if they want to and sometimes they're interested and sometimes they're not and that's okay but it's not like off limits whereas before I was like don't touch me stuff don't touch this crystal get out my notebook but now you know they're allowed to draw in my notebooks and <laughs> yeah I think that's also part of it is knowing and this is something that that um a lady she's called the good Blair witch on Instagram um is an amazing Wiccan lady who's local to us and um it's Lisa you've met Lisa before I have and she listened to our podcast and she was saying that sometimes like she felt like she couldn't have an altar because she was like the kids will just put crap on it and part of it is just pushing through that stuff anyway and accepting it as as a fact of life and weirdly when you find that like book of shadows has been scribbled in it or what have you first you care but then eventually you know you look back over your notebooks and you find your kids stick figure that they drew of you like five years ago yeah and you just you just sort of cackle at it and move on oh it's lovely (laughs) and I think that's part of it as well is that like witchcraft isn't isn't always aesthetic there's actually a witchy aesthetic and it is beautiful yeah but it can be a little bit like, oh shit, I can never, never be that good. I can never be that clean and neat and tidy. This week's practical tip is one of mine. And the reason that I'm sharing this is because it's an excellent way for people who are mothers to restore after a day, or people who aren't mothers to restore themselves after a day of slog of life. To mother um, yourself to mother yourself yeah but also it's an excellent place to have a spell is the bath so I think personally for me I have at least sort of three baths a week and that's my space to recharge it's sacred space for me in that time I might do meditations I might do reiki I might do spells and I know that I'm not going to be interrupted that's me time so what I thought was um, that I'd share with you guys some bath salts that you can use 
to either just bring a little bit of aromatherapy or herbalism into your life to recharge yourself and feel and smell more witchy but also that you can use during carving out time to connect with that magical part of your life whether that's as a precursor to doing a bath spell or whether it's a bath spell in itself I tend to use whatever salt is available I like to go to B&M or Home Bargains and they often have like a big bag full of Epsom salt or sea salt it can be good to mix these together Epsom salts are really really good for those of us with chronic illness so I really like Epsom salts as a chronic illness sufferer and sea salt also is really really good at restoring minerals to your body but also as a magical cleanser so if you do use Epsom salts then use a bit of sea salt as well so I would personally use two cups of Epsom salt and then a cup of sea salt and if you have Himalayan salt then that can be really really good as well but it's just whatever they have in the supermarket because you know when you're in B&M or home bargains and you see these bags they're they're really cheap they're usually less than a three or four quid get a lot in there I usually put about half a cup of baking soda in as well make sure it's baking soda not baking powder because this helps the essential oils to disperse is something that I've read and Obviously, it's not harmful to anybody, so. And then you want to add in your essential oils. Now, what you don't want to do is use essential oils neat. You do want to dilute them in another form of oil. So I know some people do use other substances, but I like to use coconut oil. This will reduce the shelf life of your salts compared with things that people use Carrier oil, isn't it? Carrier oils, yeah. Yeah, but I, th- I think any carrier oil's fine, but carrier oils typically will reduce the shelf life. So carrier oil, I tend to use if I've got castor oil or almond oil or coconut oil. And I tend to use like about a tablespoon or two. Then I use um, essential oils and I aim for about 20 drops of essential oil and a nice mix of oils for whatever you want to use is fine. So if you want to bring joy to your day, or revitalize yourself you might use lemon and sweet orange rose say one that I really really like to use in terms of baths I really really like to use frankincense oil in mine so my go-to would be frankincense and rose and I would use about 10 drops of frankincense and 10 drops of rose might add a little bit of lavender in there or a little bit of orange to uplift the scent a bit but you can really really get playful with whatever you've got in the cupboard here you can go completely wild and add a few drops of whatever you've got available (laughs) I wouldn't add more than 20 drops though to this to do spells for self-love um I would recommend rose i would say that rose lavender and chamomile are all excellent additions in terms of flowers as well some people like to add flowers to their baths um, or petals to their baths and i think it's really really nice to add these to your bath salts but i know some people don't like the residue that these leave around the bath they do make a mess don't they yeah and then it goes down plug all and then it fucks up your drain and then (laughs) Well, you kind of have to scoop it out, don't you, you do. as it goes. Yeah. Or you could put it in one of those bath tea bags that are quite handy. Ah, 
Well, speaking of tea bags, if you are wanting lavender, chamomile, rose, and you're a bit like, where the hell do I get those? They are actually widely available in tea bags, and that is essentially how I cheat adding herbs to my bath. So I literally have chamomile tea bags and I've checked the ingredients on them. It's just chamomile and I will add those in. I've got lavender and rose from Swales's garden, actually. It's um, such a good tip for getting tea bags. I, I would never have thought of that, like baffing yeah. in a tea. <laughs> That was not to like. Yeah, yeah. In terms of adding rose petals in, what can be really, really nice is if you've had fresh flowers on your altar, then when they're not quite wilting, but you know, they're going to go a bit past it, take them out of the water, cut them, you know, so you've got like an inch or two of the stem left, and then allow them to dry out for a couple of days. And you can use those in your bath as well for a bit of rose which is nice but essential oils you can't really go wrong with and you can get really 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 playful with them so my go-to's I really like lemon I really like sweet orange or tangerine I like a little bit of peppermint just to kind of uplift scents and I really I have a thing for tree resin essential oils which are really spiritually purifying so I would say if you want in a ritual bath spell or if you want to connect with spirit or connect with your intuition and sort of cleanse energetically or pre-ritual a good go-to would be to use frankincense copal myrrh benzoin essential oils yeah and they're all from tree resins but yeah for self-love or just a general unwind lavender rose tangerine lemon go really really nice together and patchouli you can't go wrong with either if you want to smell like a witch's armpit Um, (laughs) also before i get in the bath i add the salts and then i smoke cleanse my naked body before I get in yeah and then I smoke cleanse the water get in and pretend I'm sort of sinking underneath the earth (laughs) the oils all have their own unique properties so you may have oils that that you have that work for you so say if you have muscle pains you might want to use a bit of black pepper oil but yeah aim for about 20 drops of essential oil all in all I wouldn't say more than 10 drops of each but if you want to you could add a jar of moon water or sun water if you do reiki or any other energy work to add to your water and to sort of charge it a bit or you can use magic to charge it a really nice way of doing that is just imagining beautiful ribbons of energy in whatever color suits your needs for that day so if it was for sleep you might do purple if it's for emotional health you might do green for your heart chakra you might do silver for intuition or spiritual work and just imagine ribbons of that energy flowing through your hand into water and if you remember our sort of little spiel about sigils last week you could create a sigil and you know trace that into the surface of your water don't be afraid to get really whimsical i mean how long do you spend in the bath (laughs) years sometimes I have like three baths a week if it's been like a bad week or if I'm having like an emotional issue that I need to shift but I would at least have two baths a week I will work in the bath if you've had an online reading with me you know one of the reasons that I don't do video readings you know whack people's cards I get them shuffled get my picture taken 
and then get in the bath and I can do your reading in the bath and then we're both happy aren't we because I'm there in my oils with my <laughs> intuition blaring away feeling comfortable stewing like a potato and you actually get a better quality reading for it but yeah. then what if your tarot cards fall in the bath if you breathe out, a photo before. you're going to say, if you breathe yeah. out, and they'll just go, wee, you're like, no. <laughs> no, so what I do is, you couldn't do this with bone readings or ribbon readings, unfortunately, but with the tarot, I will pull somebody's spread, so I'll connect to all the different spirits that I work with, and then I'll pull the person's spread. I'll begin their reading while I'm shuffling the cards and getting my pictures and confirming that the spread's for them my bath's running, get the pictures sent and then I'm in the bath. If there are decks that I still like but I don't care as much about, I will take a card in for meditation purposes Yeah, and I've never dropped one in yet. Don't but... jinx it! <laughs> but I've got these little, um, I'm sure they're from Hobbycraft or somewhere, these little, they're just literally a little log slice, so they're like a branch oh, that's been yeah, put yeah. into rounds, and it's got a slit in the top, and you can slot your cards in. Tarot cards in the bath. I've dropped yeah. definitely books in the bath. In fact, I did once, I had a deck that I'd wanted for ages, and I'd finally bought it, and I went to take it to my mum's. I'd put it in the top of the push chair, I'd put this deck in, and two cards it slid out the fool and the magician well obviously it was torrential rain i went to walk to find them and they were both in separate puddles completely saturated and that deck is still in use i dried the cards out and they're absolutely fine my deck that i read for most of you with as well like someone once dropped one of the cards in their glass of beer and it was fine I don't even know which card it is because you can't, you can't tell at all. <laughs> Get them laminated <laughs> and then they'll be waterproof because they're yeah. wiped clean. They <laughs> should do a minute. bath deck, shouldn't they? They should do a Another bath. Deck. I wouldn't be surprised if it already exists, actually. So this week, um, I was thinking of a business to mention with Mother in mind. And I kept coming back to Witch Casket UK. So this is a business that started off as a shop in Yorkshire somewhere and it's run by a mother-daughter team Deb and Ella and they started the witch casket box in the shop as a as a monthly subscription amazingly took off and became really popular and eventually they closed the shop not because it was hard to run a shop but because witch casket UK was just so so popular and it is a really really cool box I mean the, the it's such high spec and all the packaging is really beautiful care and attention on the designs of stuff I think you get a lot of exclusive things that they've designed and created within their little team there's a theme that runs throughout the box every month which is beautiful for people who are new into mm-hmm. it who don't have anything have no idea where it starts an ideal thing to start collecting for a couple of years and then you'd have a really good set of witch casket stuff what sort of stuff do you get in there it tends to be there's a booklet with some information you get a spell packet um, a tea a postcard by an artist they've supported and then it's things like candle stick holders they have incense and candles boxes trinkets crystals with sigils on them uh, spell bottles glass mugs and all kinds of cool stuff. So there's a lot of accessories. I, I had it on and off for about three years. I absolutely love it. And then lack of money. <laughs> yeah. But I'm always really impressed by the box and the designs. The quality of all the packaging is just absolutely beautiful. And it's vegan and it's environmentally friendly and they use packaging that 
made out of potatoes. If you put it in water, it disappears. I think it's cool that it was set up by a mother-daughter duo as well. That's really, really nice. Because that shows, like, they're sort of sharing that witchcraft journey together in their own way, which may be where we are when our kids are older, be good. if we're lucky. Follow the hashtag on Instagram. It's like I'm still opening them, you know, because people share the pictures and yeah. they're just like, oh, what you got, what you got? <laughs> Let me see. Sometimes it, it's nice to know what to have as well. Sometimes you don't know what you want. And like witches, we love collecting things. We love the goodies, whether it's books, whether it's trinkets statues shells rocks things like that you know things that you find out in nature and I think sometimes you have your want list but then there are things all things that you that you want that you don't actually know exist yet exactly so that brings that to your attention good way of like opening yourself up isn't it I I like the themes they did one that was a water theme and I remember being so into it every single item in the box I adored Eventually, they did the fire. So there's a few boxes in between yeah. the elemental themes. Well, but that's the war- something that we're doing, isn't it? For those that have been listening for a few weeks, obviously, you'll know we're doing Mother, Maiden, Crone at the moment. But then afterward, we're going to be doing the elements, aren't we? What I'd do is I'd do elements and then I'd do God and Goddess. The next one will be the Crone. We're in the position with that that some of you have been in listening to these. You know, we said these may not resonate with all of you you may feel like you skipped a stage or even felt you know afraid of or repulsed by a stage we all have some experience of those archetypes our question this week from a viewer was can men be witches yes Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) There are a lot of male pagans. If you go to any pagan event, you will see lots and lots of men who practice magic. There are men who practice in circle. In fact, my circle is men dominated, I would say. There are more men than women. Isn't it funny that uh, it's just like associated with women? Yeah. And and, uh, I've had somebody said to me, are they not wizards? And I was like... "Uh." No, they're not. They're not. In fact, which which comes from the word wise. So men were originally called witch with an e at the end. So I don't know if that was pronounced witchy or witcher. Witchy. Um, but women were called witcher with an a at the end, and oh. it just means wise ones. Um, so they're not called wizards or warlocks. There are people who identify as wizards and warlocks, but generally not in the craft that we practice most paganism yeah i mean if you want to call your son a wizard you can it is a pretty cool sort of image in my mind of a pointy hand and a long beard but yeah there are a lot of men in the craft and if there are men listening then obviously as two women we can understand that especially going through the maiden mother crone that you might feel a bit out of yeah. sorts here we want you here you're welcome here <laughs> yeah it's for everybody yeah. and we're trying to be mindful of being open for everybody Yes. And inclusive. Yes. We're very, very interested in the differences between how men and women may practice as well, as well as the similarities. My experience personally is that men are often very different in terms of witchcraft and tarot as well, but in a way that I really, really like. Thank you right. so much for listening. See you guys next time with the crown.
As always, thank you so much for listening to us again. If you like what we are doing, please review us on Spotify and other podcast apps. We'd love to hear from you with your thoughts. And we can be reached on Instagram, the underscore bell underscore witch underscore podcast. For questions, if you'd like us to, to discuss anything, please drop us a line and we will see you next time. Bye.